Hello and welcome to Read It For The Pictures, the comic book podcast where we read it for the pictures. I'm Dave Clark, and with me as always is the eventual fall guy for Project Codename Velvet Scorpion, Neil Caput. How you doing, Neil? Hi. Today we've got two books, neither of which is a corporate-owned property. <laughs> but yes, okay. what, what we got this week, Neil? We have... Shaolin Cowboy number three by Jeff Darrow with colors by Dave Stewart and Crosswind number one from Image by Gail Simone and Kat Staggs. Shaolin Cowboy number three is not the third Shaolin Cowboy thing overall. It's, I believe this story is called Who'll Stop the Rain? I've read a few Shaolin Cowboy things in the past. I think it popped up a few times in Dark Horse Presents, and maybe I read one single issue along the line. But this was your first time with it, wasn't it? Yeah, I hadn't really read any Shaolin Cowboy. I'm familiar with Jeff Darrow because he's done artwork all over this and other industries, and he did some illustrations for magic cards, including that power card Goblin Swine Rider. Oh, I didn't know he did magic cards. Yeah, just Google his name and magic. It was like around Mirage and Vision, so it might have been before you started playing. Yeah, that's a long way back. But yes, the, tell me what you thought of Shaolin Cowboy number three, Who'll Stop the Rain? It was an experience. I... I'm not entirely sure what I read. I suppose I could take it at face value and see that it's basically stories about a stoic protagonist in a world full of weird and disturbing stuff. Or I could interpret it as like having all kinds of hidden meanings behind everything. There's a story here. It reads okay in isolation, but... Really, I guess even if I didn't do this for the podcast, I would be reading this for the pictures and what pictures they are. You messaged me midweek saying, what the, what the hell is this? But yeah, I guess They're... a short summary is it's Shallard Cowboy beats up a giant ninja pig and the like, smack talking him. Yeah, it's a giant pig. It's a pig realistically rendered enough to be incredibly disturbing looking. It, and the fact that its nipples are pierced with swords and guns, that's... I mean, there's, there's like, bodily fluids coming out of it. You can see, like, a ghosting trail of poo coming out from behind and green snot coming out from the nose. Fighting against a guy who basically looks like a vaguely out-of-shape, middle-aged man in a cowboy uniform who's fighting it with ninja moves. Or kung fu. I guess Shaolin would be more kung fu. I'll have to research that. This is all taking place in a really detailed city with all kinds of graffiti and decaying details like a bunch of bizarre people just wandering around completely uninterestingly stray animals cats and dogs and pigeons 
posters for stuff like Mein Kampf Grounds or Meth Mart. So, yeah, I think every single wall has unique graffiti on it. That would make sense. It's not hard to follow the story. It feels like you can tell what's happening at every scene. The, all the details are just bonuses. So that's that's good. I would, could, might have worried that in another comic with this kind of pornographic detail of scenery that the actual action would get lost. Well, I thought this was quite something. There's a weird level of detail that suggests like a lot of thought has gone into what this world is. Like if you hadn't seen Jeff Darrow's stuff before, we just said, oh, it's a cowboy fighting a pig with karate you might picture like maybe something more more cartoony or like looney tune style but no this is like this everything's very realistically rendered and it kind of makes it as disgusting as that would be i might not go so far as to say strictly realistically rendered because when going up against photorealism like in the other comic we read this week grotesque elements are exaggerated and we get things like the pig the dogs with knives for paws the woman who appears to be some kind of white supremacist deplorable wearing a talking crab on her head who has a grudge against the Shaolin cowboy for eating his family at a golden corral. I thought that was funny. Yeah, it is. But it's also just so disturbing looking that it's an uncomfortable funny. It's not quite like gross out humor exclusively. It's more like, uh, what am I looking at? Oh, God, what is this? Why can't I look away? Ah. Yeah, it's, um, oh, where do, you fo- where do you focus on something like this? One thing I did notice is that the figures themselves who were supposed to be paying attention to have less detail than the background. So it's an interesting positive and negative juxtaposition, like the eyes drawn to the characters who aren't like swarming with dirt and grime except when they're doing the close-ups in which case you will see like all the spittle trailing from the crab's mandibles sort of an interesting technique that i imagine usually if you've got a figure and a background and you want to draw attention to the figure you'll make the figure more detailed and maybe simplify some of the background it's almost like the inverse is done here like there's this one panel of a the pig charging down an, a, an alleyway and like there's so much detail on the background like there's bricks drawn into the building and there's like power lines and because that's so dense and then there's a lot of just play negative space on the pig it stands out against that which yeah it's an interesting approach it seems odd because like there's so much detail on like the every little gear and shaft in the engines the cars that the pig is destroying and it's far more detail than on the pig itself proportionally but the eyes drawn to the pig it's leaping forward through the page you also notice on this page like 
This is not colored by Darrow. It's colored by Dave Stewart. And the colors are pretty simple, actually. Like, you can see with the fire effects, they're transparent. And you can see the line work through them. So they're blotches of orange. And that might seem sloppy in another comic, but it works here because you aren't expected to be laboring over the fire. The fire is one of the smallest, most inconsequential parts of what's happening in here and what this is. Like with the colors throughout, there's relatively little rendering of them. Like there's a little bit, but like just at a glance, it almost looks like flat color, which I think works with the detail because it could, one, you might lose it if your shadows go too dark and two, it could just be overwhelming. Like tons of detail and also like tons of shadow. It's really hard to know where to start when talking about this. It was easy to read it and know what was going on, if not why it's going on. And it's really impressive storytelling backed up by a level of detail that is unprecedented for most comic artists. When I saw this, the first artist for comparison who came to mind was Frank Quietly, but even he, with his notoriously slow pacing and incredible amounts of detail wouldn't do like a cityscape like this with every fiddly little line even gene haw's top 10 which also really played heavily on the backgrounds and the in jokes doesn't put just this much line work in with all the like writing in the background it's almost well as long as we're comparing him to other artists there's a little bit of like brandon graham like all throughout his King City, there's, like, writing all over the stuff in the background and little, like, silly little jokes. In-jokes are always nice, and it adds another layer that's kind of parallel to the main plot. I don't think it's overwhelming, as I keep repeating. It creates a fascinating world. Yeah, it'd be interesting to read it from the, like, all the Shaolin Cowboy stuff from the beginning to see how much was there at the bit, like, from the start. There's a scene where, where, like, the pig jumps across a road, and in the shot you have goannas just walking around on the street. There's a few pterodactyls flying. In the background there's dinosaurs and also something that looks like Ultraman. There's two dogs in a car one's in the front seat one's in the back seat and one's smoke there's a bunch of like nazi stores and i wonder if these are hangovers from other stories or like just all come up for this if i could describe this comic at in a hollywood elevator pitch i'd say this is samurai jack by way of every mind-altering substance known on earth and then some oh yeah and i also see on one of the pages there's a sign that says no cats and there's a cat sitting right by it, meowing. Stick it to the man, kitty. I can't remember who said this. Oh, wow, I just, I turned a page and there's, th- on top of one of the trucks, there's a baby and three pterodactyls walking around it. And yeah, that just struck me. I didn't see that the first time. That is really odd. It's, it's almost like a Where's Wally book. Where's Waldo? Yeah. Oh, yeah, you Yanks call him Waldo. What I'm wondering is, like, the thing I keep going back to is why? Why this much work for stuff that has so little actual impact on the overall thing? Maybe if I was doing it with infinite time, I would make sure that every detail imaginable is placed and 
visible. But, I mean, this is a pretty simple story, and it's in a world that, while it creates the atmosphere, but it goes so far above and beyond what would be needed to create that atmosphere. I can't remember who said this. Um, I think it may have been the boys over at Silence or someone on Hooded Utilitarian, but I'm now mm-hmm. talking about a, a previous uh, Shaolin Cowboy story, and I'm probably getting the details of this mixed up, but it was four issues of him fighting like a gigantic mob of zombies in the desert, and they described it because like they were the same zombie, but obviously in different poses, so like a unique illustration described it as like it had to have been almost meditative to do it to like put so much detail into something so inconsequential over and over again i think the shaolin aspect of shaolin cowboy i don't think it's superficial i think it goes a little it may go a little bit deeper putting all this detail into something and then letting it like wash away is like almost a meditation this cowboy himself seems to be at peace with the world he's in a relatively silent character with stoic expressions while he is very gifted at violence tries to avoid it if necessary also just like that there's just lots of ideas in this in some of the other comics we've read it's like you've basically got the whole story from our description like obviously not the art but you know what happens in it but in this like in like the the large panels you can point to background characters and it's like see that a story's been put in there like just randomly picking one panel there's a dog walking by that's like got a human hand in its mouth well maybe it's because we're reading comic issues that come out in installments that I tend to have the idea that this was created on a deadline. And is that the case for Shallon Cowboy? It seems to be just a passion project that gets done when it's done. But from what I understand, it hasn't had like a, like a super regular schedule. So I guess meditate, if meditative describes it, this is, the solace that Darrow must find on top of everything else he does, all the Marvel covers and artist collaborations and various fantasy and advertising things. Although on the subject of all the detail, like when you turn the page and you get this like a, a panel with tons of detail, it's easy to linger on it. He yeah. knows when to drop that out like for a like when he wants it to be a more kinetic fight scene. That I think there's like a two page spread where there are like deliberately no backgrounds with like just the cowboy fighting the pigs. Lately I've been dwelling a lot on the concept of the competence deviance hypothesis by which point the ability someone has at some whatever they do and how it's valued is inversely proportional to how many things that aren't socially acceptable that they can get away with and given jeff darrow's level of mastery all the weird stuff he draws here is perfectly fine he has maximum competence and just under maximum deviance in this and also and also they use the trails of like i think there's lightning coming off their feet because they were standing on power lines and also like the blood and 
the fart cloud coming out of the pig. They leave little trails which give you a sense of motion. That they walk, they work like Superman's cape, which show you the direction he's come from. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem to be in the like in the style for this comic to have speed lines or anything like that. So it's interesting that it's been done with something in universe. I'm 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 getting the sense that this was not your favorite comic, Neil. No, it's more that it's something that is so immense and so sprawling that I can't just describe it for the purposes of a review. I feel like it's beyond me. I did enjoy reading it. Usually with a story like this where they just try to pull all the weird and wacky stuff off at once, it it can seem kind of grating. Like if this were Axe Cop under where the kind of everything goes plotting drawn by an artist who's competent but not on this level i just kind of be tuned out once the initial novelty of the story wore off but here i'm still looking i'm still seeing all the details i'm still seeing the dogs looking up the blood coming out of the dead giant pig's bottom yeah as for me i think this may be my favorite comic that we've reviewed on here i would agree with that yeah it's i'm actually like interested in looking back and maybe reading all of shaolin cowboy i'll add it to the list once i finish reading all the homoerotic transformers canon stuff i guess you got deep into transformers didn't you after the review we did of Optimus Prime where we were pretty, I guess, tepid on it and the overall art aesthetic. I went back to read the stuff that people have been talking about with James Roberts as writer and Alex Milne as artist, and I have to take back a lot of the shade I threw at the Transformers comics in general. Not the Optimus Prime comic. I still don't think that was particularly good, but well, we should get to that someday. In the meantime, we have the other comic, Crosswind, number one, by Gail Simone and Kat Staggs. The story is set up pretty clearly in the first issue. A lot of it's just set, establishing the characters, but for the premise that was probably already in the blurb in the solicits, which is it's a Freaky Friday mind switch between a hitman and a mild-mannered housewife. Yeah, this was our one that you found. What was it just um, randomly going through the new releases to find something? Or was this one that you saw coming? It's one that I saw, and it was a number one. And the art looked interesting. Some, it would give us a lot to talk about. And it was a number one. And the only number one that I also got this week was Chip Zdarsky and Adam Kubert's spectacular Spider-Man launch, but I didn't think you'd want to do another Kubert book regarding superheroes again, even if it's different Kubert. I've been trying to stay away from the first issues for this one. Um, Really? Yeah, partly because it makes it that much easier to read it just for the pictures when the story's in progress and you maybe don't have a complete handle on it. Another point is that a lot of issue ones I've read in my time have been one where the last page is the premise. In that case, but that's why I did it, because the sto- I already pretty much know the story, so it's just all about how it's told, how they set up that premise via the visuals and the dialogue, and for the purposes of this podcast, the visuals. Maybe that's just somewhere where we diverge 
like I think if you put something in your solicitation, like like you should read this issue in it, a dog rides a unicycle. I think you need to have like the dog riding the unicycle in the first half of it, and then deliver on something else for the rest. Yeah, just having it at the end feels like it's not really like a a shocking last page reveal if it's like on the cover. That's assuming their issues are meant to stand alone and. For a lot of comics, they're clearly done for the trade, which yeah. leads to the question why OGNs haven't become much more prevalent. But yes, anyways, but returning Kat to Staggs, the artist of Crosswind, who is actual photorealistic instead of the technically photorealistic but in reality nightmarishly disturbing art of Jeff Darrow. Yeah, this um, reading into like. I got a few pages in and then I realized, wait a minute, this is a photo comic. I think it was this big splash page, which is the beginning of the housewife section, which is clearly someone took a photo of a suburban street and put some sort of Photoshop blur over the top. Yeah, but it's not actually photos for most of it. I see in the back that there are pencil and ink sketches of the pages as they're being done. Everything really was drawn here. They just put the filters over it to give it. It's not as complex coloring for the figures as you might see in other comics. It has kind of a rotoscoped quality. Reminds me of that movie Waking Life, except it doesn't give Alex Jones any presence. Well, we've only read the first issue. Yeah, I was going to mention Waking Life as well. Um... Yeah, I saw at the back they they show some of the, like, they have a page where they show, like, the line work for some of the pages next to, like, the, the finished product. And, and yeah, I'm not sure that's just a straight-up illustration. There are a few pl- places in the comic where the faces don't really look right. And I'm thinking that there may have been, like, they may have got actors or friends or whoever and acted out the scenes that took photos and then well i say i say trace but i don't mean exactly that use that as a guide to do the finished illustrations that would make sense and i don't think it's entirely photorealistic there are some scenes where the line work exaggerates it like when juniper the housewife is getting a lecture from her verbally abusive husband about like don't mess this up, don't mess this up. And she has this really anxious and fearful frown, and that doesn't quite look natural. Body language and facial expressions are of paramount importance to this comic since it's dealing with a mind switch. And they establish both Kaysen, the hitman, and Juniper, the housewife, as characters with very distinct ways of interacting with the world, which comes to the forefront once they magically switch minds and you can see like Kaysen and Juniper's body feeling herself up and just going like, uh, great. What is this? Like she doesn't, he doesn't understand why he's now a woman, but he still has a job to do or Juniper and Kaysen's body seeing a body chopped up in a bathtub and being like, like, She's just going to faint, even though she's in the body of this impressively built, intimidating man in black. 
There are a few points where the body language really works, and there's also a few places where it doesn't so much. The biggest one, I think... I'm reading it in print, so... Oh, it's the one outside the supermarket? With Juniper's friend assuring her that her husband isn't cheating on her in, like, the least convincing and vaguely passive-aggressive way possible. Her, yeah, her face at the bottom of that comic, it, something has gone wrong there. Maybe, but I got the fr- idea that the, it's a very fair-weather friend, either a friend who she is mostly just an acquaintance who acts a lot more caring than she actually is, or someone that Amber's lost touch with, because, given how Amber's life is now pretty much entirely swallowed by what her husband and his new son wants. And the rest of the world is stifling her at every turn. And unlike Kaysen, she doesn't have the attitude or the firepower to do anything about it. Like, I don't know, maybe part of it's intentional, but I think whatever process they were using just didn't work with her face on that page. And also on the... If you turn back um there's the shot with her waking up out of the dream like the face there it like part of the advantage of using photos is that you can like get real body language but one of the disadvantages is like because you've got a still image and not something in motion you can take a frame out of it and it just doesn't look right yeah and i would say that this isn't an expression that appropriately sells the emotion and unlike with the friend this is the protagonist, not just a shallow background character. Also, with the like with the colouring on it, there seems to be this really weird banding effect. I'm not sure how much, like, if it's done by hand, but it looks like it could almost be, like, some digital artefact. Trying... I'd be interested in reading more about Stag's process on this, because there are so many different effects, and some of it does look like explicit photos like some of the backgrounds and other parts are clearly drawn so there's clearly a lot of different filters trying to create a mood here a lot of black shadows and largely dull colors but for a few highlights on the characters um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm a fan of this technique. Whatever is going on, even like the splash page of Juniper and what Kaysen's faces with that kind of lens flare flare splatter of dots that also are in. I need to know have a better vocabulary for my Photoshop effects. Well, that's one. That's one of the better parts of it. But I don't know, it fi- it feels a little bit too much like acting. That's actually why I chose it, because they are trying to be as close to real people as possible. So the question is, how well was that sold? And I think you don't think it was sold as well as I do. I mean, there are panels where it doesn't quite work, but overall I think it creates unique enough experience that I want to go back for the next issue. And also, this occurs to me because a lot of our media these days does involve this kind of blurring of what's human and what's mechanical. Like, 
we mentioned rotoscoping, but that's now been replaced with motion capture for most high-budget games and movies. Yeah, it is technically, say, Ultron making an imposing stance, but the face is based on the guidelines of James Spader's face and movements. I mean, like, I'm not against like a photo comic or a heavily photo reference comic in theory. I just just don't think it's well disguised as well as it could be in this. Maybe that's the point. I mean, this does look very different to any of the other things we've read. I've been trying to seek out a lot of photo referenced comics over the past few months, like Tony Harris and Alex Ross and in a, especially terrible example, Greg Land. It's just interesting the way we way it does or doesn't fall into the Uncanny Valley. I don't know. To me, this just, this read very much like Tales from the Uncanny Valley. I admit that a few of these look like the Pirates of the Caribbean levels in Kingdom Hearts, where very weird comparison to draw, but I. I... Can see what you well, mean. that's the first. That was the first Uncanny Valley example that came to mind, where the way they rendered hit Johnny Depp and Orlando Bloom the like in game or used models based on those actors was not only completely out of place next to all the Disney characters and handsome anime boys, but it looked creepy and unnatural. Then again, this was back in the PS2. I, I, I've been a bit mean, but I don't think... Like, there's a few little things I like. There seems to be an effort to avoid white like white backgrounds around the panels. Almost all the pages are bleed panels that extend all the way to the edge. There's some clever layouts here, like the distorting fall of, and slumping of the panels as they're switching minds. Yeah, but that's shaken up there's a yeah a few times where they break the panel border and that's pretty effective yeah also there's a page where they just have like a f- black with a few uh bits of text in white which yeah that's a it, like i think it breaks up the pacing in a nice way also the blood splatters at the end are pretty convincing which that is a good blood splatter and the body looks appropriately beat up and broken you can see the fingers going in ways that fingers don't naturally go how much photo reference was used anyway on from that speculation about assault um will you be returning to any of these comics crosswind i'll try at least another couple issues while shaolin cowboy i'll get to it's on my list I don't mean to use the list to damn it with faint praise, just that time and money permitting, and I try to set guidelines for how much I spend on comics, because I could spend a lot on comics. Yeah, um, I think you'll need to tell me what happens to Assassin Housewife Freaky Friday. This this wasn't one for me, I think. But I do want to at least stick around to see what happens when the hitman and the housewife's body t- stands up to her husband, who's one of the biggest jackasses you can imagine, and abusive short of actually being physically abusive. I imagine he'll get a bullet or two in the face, and I won't be unhappy with that outcome. Oh, and before we go, 
we have to discuss cats. There are cats in Shaolin Cowboy. There are a lot of cats in Shaolin Cowboy. I brought up the one sitting next to uh, No Cat Sign. They also seem to just be a general thing in Jeff Darrow's artwork to show a lot of animals just wandering around, dogs and cats in particular. Yeah. So how does Shaolin Cowboy pass Cat Critique Corner? It gets a very high cat rating based on the cats as convincing natural cats i don't know how he would do if it were a story about a cat but he draws impressively cat-like cats so on the scale from dexstar in red lanterns to kitty hawk in astro city this is definitely a ki- on the kitty hawk end but yes that's that's it for us this week uh, where can people find you online, Neil? You can find me at Wirecats, which is incorporating several techniques that we discussed in this podcast, and it's spelled W-Y-R-E-C-A-T-S dot com. Yep, and you can find me at DaveClarkArt.com, and that's Clark with an E. But until next time, see ya. Bye.